Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, one of the things that you might have noticed about my interview selection last year is that I didn't particularly stick in the realm of Stoicism. Uh, I was playing around a little bit and talking to people who I was very interested in, talking to people who I felt had important things to say. And that included all kinds of professors and lawyers and and journalists and, and, and you know, theologians. And uh, I was really letting my mind play around with, you know, who I wanted to talk to. And, and one of the you know, groups of people who I really wanted to talk to were creative people and and musicians. And so I had a few of them on the show last year. We had uh, Rob Simonson. Uh, we also had the guys from The Breathing Effect. And the reason why I had these guys on the show is because, uh, you know, last year I experienced a, a, a real rebirth of my own creative output. Uh, you know, I, I really started paying attention to that very, very important part of myself. You know, I learned that if I'm not creating, then I'm not getting meaning from life. You know, as as a creative, I need to be creating something, whether it's music, whether it's writing. This podcast is even a source of, of creative enjoyment for me. Uh, and And, you know, I really actually, I started listening to music last year. And it's not as if I wasn't hearing music uh, in the years before, but I actually started listening properly to it last year and paying attention to uh, just how important that part of my life is. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I went back and uh, and, and finished my music degree. Uh, in, in fact, going back and doing that awakened me even more to how important it is for my life. And so, uh, you know, really, I, I want to be speaking to more creatives. I want to be speaking to people who uh, kind of jog my interest. And I do actually have plans down the line to uh, potentially start a new podcast where I can uh, really branch out and and broaden my philosophical horizons and speak to people who don't necessarily have to do with stoicism. And I know I've already been doing that, but it kind of seems a little bit out of place to be, you know, putting musicians and, you know, certain theologians and, and, you know, all sorts of different people within the practical stoic podcast. And I'm sure that you guys have probably felt that. Uh, so eventually I hope that I'll have two podcasts. One will be the Stoic podcast and the other one will be, uh, you know, a, a bit of a broader in-depth look into philosophy and theology and creativity and all kinds of things that I'm interested in. Uh, but anyway, for today, uh, I really know that you're going to love the guest that I have on. He's none other than the amazing British pianist, Neil Cowley. And Neil is one of these people who, you know, when I first heard his music, it immediately took me away into a different world, you know, just a- amazing pianist. And and uh, he's got a new album coming out in March, I believe. Uh, it's called Hall of Mirrors. And there is one song released in that album, and I believe you can find it you know, wherever you find music. I found it on Apple Music. Uh, but the song that's released is called She Lives in Golden Sands. And... It's just a 
beautiful piece of music. It really took me away when I first listened to it. And that's when I said, I've got to reach out to Neil. I've got to have a conversation with him and learn more about his creative process and, and how he thinks about music. And, and so that's, you know, a lot of what we talk about today. And, and I know that even if you're not a musician, you're going to get something out of this conversation today because I just had such a great time talking to Neil. And, you know, he really taught me a few very important lessons. And so I hope that you will experience the same. So I might as well tell you a little bit more about Neil before we dive in, and then uh, I'll let you just jump into the interview. So Neil Cowley is an English jazz pianist and composer. Uh, He has also released music as a part of Fragile State, The Green Nuns of the Revolution, and The Neil Cowley Trio. With his trio, he has appeared on Later with Jules Holland, and in 2007, he won the BBC Jazz Award for Best Album with his album Displaced. He's released a really diverse range of music, uh, both as a producer of his own works as well as a sideman and a session pianist, uh, including uh, appearing on Adele's album 21, as well as Birdie's album Birdie and Fire Within. So Neil is just such a, a diverse musician and really just such a nice guy. I really love this conversation. And without any further ado, I present to you my interview with Neil Cowley. It's funny, actually, I bumped into a, an old interview I did after a gig in British Columbia over on the mm. west side of Canada. Some uh, A great little musical theorist came and interviewed me and, and was asking me about these this kind of thing. And I was, I was it was about four or five years ago, <clears throat> uh, and he caught me on the hop, but I was, I was talking about how, um, I mean, you talk about classical there, you know, I'm, I was classically trained, so there is that mm. grounding there. Uh, but then I, I I turned my back on it at a vital moment when I was about 14. Um, I hadn't really been exposed to anything other than classical music uh, because, you know, those around me, like my mother and my piano teacher, saw a talent and they and they channeled it. So it was Mozart and Bach and, uh, and all the obvious. You know, Shostakovich mm. was a personal favourite of mine. But, that, but I had this sort of this – I didn't have a passion for music at that point. I felt it was just being drummed into me and I wasn't really choosing my path. And then uh, I joined a soul band when I was 14. My, a friend of my mother's was starting a Blues Brothers covers band for a charity night. And they, uh, nice. him and his mate were in their mid-20s. And I was 14. Uh, and my mum said, oh, he, you know, my son's a keyboard player. Um, he could be in your band. So I went along to this thing. It was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. There were two bass players. There was, um, I think, at original rehearsal, there was a, just a drum machine that they were sort of blatting out of a PA speaker. And I was just like <laughs> blown away by this, this, this onslaught of other music. And then that, that and then consequently doing a, a gig in a, I don't know, like a working men's club or something, wherever it was about three weeks later. And I got to stay up till two o'clock and I thought, well, this is, this is all right. You know, actually music is quite something and I do, I do have a thirst for it. And then I, it was just the autodidactic path of of teaching myself everything beyond uh, Shostakovich. Um, I just fed and fed and fed and fed James Brown and on and James Brown and beyond. And, um, um, and and um, so there is the, this classical underpinning. Then there's this sort of self-taught, soulful jazz funk thing that that I that that really is my passion. And then um, and every which way that's morphed. And then that's sort of the obvious path to, for that was into dance music. But but I was telling I was telling this this guy that uh, um, 
the in the in the old trio stuff that I used to do, there was always this quest to sort of I'll put this down. Sorry, there was always this quest to um, to uh, make it uh, musically challenging uh, in the sort of in the in the underbelly of what we were doing. So there was there was musical. I'm not a great musical theorist. I, I never really know what it is I'm doing. But there there there's a, a quest to make it challenging and make it sort of um, push push the um, realms of what I think is possible, and yet make the right hand simplistic and appealing. Because music without um, uh, empathy and without emotion seems pretty pointless to me. Uh, if if you're mm. going to be clever, or if you're going to you know amuse yourself with clever things, it still has to have that that uh, pathos it still has to have that thing which just reaches out and touches you and um and i was telling this guy i was saying you know that that seems to be the permanent quest is to play this uh, hopefully a beautiful melody in the right hand and in the left hand you know make, make do all the clever stuff so it's a bit like a duck paddling there's all his feet going crazy but on the top hopefully there's a beautiful duck or a beautiful swan floating along yeah. uh, and um but when you say you know classical and jazz, I suppose yeah, it's all it's all in there. Um, I'm a, I, I I hope to I uh, my quest is to be permanently morphing into from one thing to the next, and um, um, you know there's 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 a there's a discipline and there's a there's a there's an art to everything you know all genres of music and all approaches, uh, mm. and I'm certainly no, I'm certainly no snob on on that regard. You know there, there's beauty yeah. everywhere. But, uh, but anyway, it's lovely that you you know that you say you've been listening to it and um um yeah that's it, it's it's been a the last three or four years i've i having finished one project onto the next it's been a long long hiatus i'm only just beginning to um put stuff out now i've got an album coming out in uh whenever it is they told me today and i can't remember but in a few months and uh <laughs> so there is there is a there's a, a put you know a, a coming forth of of new music uh, and it's been a long this has probably been the longest between albums for me for about 10 15 years it's just a uh, it's been a long period of exploration and it's been very much a solo thing and um i don't know if you've seen it but there's this video that we've got that we did in a a warehouse during the lockdown with about 53 televisions and um i i've we've, yeah is that the one that you can get uh, i mean it's it seems to be on Apple Music as well that I've been listening to it. And and is is that the the, the official the official video that you did for the album? Um, there's, there's a, yeah, there's sort of four tracks. It's a sort of a yeah. fifteen minute long piece. And I, I we I, I I have a studio in Chiswick in West London, and there's a technical department there. And and I I I came up with this idea that I wondered what would happen if the if the piano could play the televisions. Um, mm. And so there's a pickup called. Um, a uh, uh, a helping still pickup, which is made in Texas. A, a guy called Mr. Helping Still who makes this pickup, which is a magnetic uh, microphone that sticks to the back of the piano, and you can mm. hear the piano without using microphone. So there's no feedback, uh, and it's so it's got you've got a jack like a normal jack plug that you plug into a guitar. You've got it at one end, and I thought, and and I've been using that to put into guitar pedals and make the piano do mad things. And I thought, I wondered if you could create a lead that went from Jack to RF Aerial, which goes into those old TVs that, you know, you grew up yeah, with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we tried it, and sure enough, it worked. So when I sat, when I played the piano with this thing and I plugged this thing in, I had all the, I'd bought all these, I bought about 15 tellies on eBay, old black and white TVs, and I, I played a chord into them, and they had all that static on, and then all the static formed into lines like that. 
So you had for low oh, notes wow. they were lines, and and for high night high notes they were thinner lines. And I realised, wow, I'm I'm playing the TVs. Um, wow. So yeah, yeah, so it's cool. So that that video yeah, is what, a manifestation. When right? when I saw that, like I, I thought, okay, this is sort of an art, artistic depiction of the kind of you know. Uh, thoughts and feelings he has you know as he's going through making this album telling the story of the album but I didn't realize that that was actually you know you had created this actual device which is so is it as much as is it as much a part of the sound of the album as it is a part of the visuals of the album well it, it, I, I think uh, the the idea behind it is um you see when you when you're in a th- when you're in a three-piece outfit for instance as I was um you draw feelings out of each other. You, you, one, you, you connect with both the other guys. And so you, you convert that emotion into sort of currency. If you like, you convert mm. that coming together of emotion into the, and you, you, you project it onto the audience you're with. And that means that, that means that you can, it gives you courage over time. If you've got that chemistry working, it gives you a courage. It gives you the courage to go on stage with very little planning and just and trust that you'll feel it and you'll be able to push something out. Um, and this project is me on my own and it's been worrying me. I've been thinking, well, how do I, how do I um, conjure that up? You know, I've got no one to bounce off. So how do I conjure that up? And I, I like most people, uh, I've remembered times in the past when I've sat at the piano and there's been some visual going and I've been inspired by that visual and I've felt myself going into some sort of transcendental state, looking at it and thinking and reacting to it. Mm. And, and again, you know, this is what happened. The, the, the soundtrack composer, for instance, is always reacting to the music soundtrack composer sits down, looks at the visuals and then, and then is the afterthought. So, you know, it's always the afterthought. Mm. Um, so there's two things there. The first, the first thing is, is, the, is the usual cliche that the soundtrack composer or the, the, the musical uh, creator is the afterthought when it comes to visuals. And secondly, wanting to have something that conjured up emotion and maybe bounced back at me and, and, and inspired me onto certain feelings and made me react in certain ways. And um, uh, so what the, this, this little contraption kind of it subverts the first thing. <clears throat> so in, in actual fact my piano is creating the visual rather than the other way around for, for once the image is slave to the music in my, in my field, you know, for once in my experience, the, the, I'm cre- I'm um, manipulating the image rather than the images manipulating the music. So that's quite powerful. And then also as I play and these TVs react and they, and they, and they, and they change for me, it sort of, it feels like a person. It feels like, it feels like something is responding to me and reacting to me and, and, and um, um, and he's, he's, he's chucking something at me and, and inspiring me to move on to the next bit. So it, it kind of works in, in, in two ways, really. Um, and uh, the, the theme of the album, to, to, um, to a greater extent, is, is, um, uh, is the story of the last three or four years um, in that um, uh, I, I decided to go off a new, on a new path and on a new quest to find new sounds and essentially forgot the piano and the piano just sat in the corner of the room kind of waving at me now and then going, I'm still here when you need me, you know, and, I, and I've, mm. and I've done this my whole life, you know, I just, that's just something that is me. And I went so far off in another direction. I bought one piece of equipment after another piece of equipment, learned how to use that, you know, for about three or four days, madly playing that 
invented, you know, created a piece of music and thought, uh, yeah, that's good. That's great. That's really exciting. But is it me? I don't know if that sounds like it's emotive. Does that sound emotive? Is there any of me in there? And then I go, okay, well, that, get rid of that and then get another one. I did this for about two, two and a half years. And then I went, I decided to get to get out of myself and go to Berlin. And I went to uh, work with a producer friend of mine in Berlin and we hired a studio called the Funk House, which is the old East German radio station with a beautiful piano in it. And I sat down at a piano and played. And because of the beautiful acoustics and because of the amount of time I'd left it, I mean, bearing in mind that my hands were starting to hurt from lack of use. Like when mm. I played, they were starting to hurt because I hadn't, you know, kept them active, which is a horrible yeah. feeling for me. Like, Christ, what would life be like without that? You know. Um, anyway, I sat down at this piano and... Um, and the, the the music just sort of came flying at me, and and uh, I recorded so many tracks in that one afternoon, having laboured for about two and a half years to try and create something. I then sat down at the piano and re re realised that that was still um, my best friend, but had also the, the piano has been my best friend and my worst enemy throughout my life. Throughout, it, it felt like it because of the the rigors of learning it as a kid i felt like i lost my childhood to some extent to it or rather wondered if i mm. had did i lose my childhood because of the amount of hours i put in as a child learning how to do it mm. and then aged 14 as i mentioned before i joined this band and then all of a sudden the world opened up to me and i got to play with amazing people and see the world through it so then i loved it again and then mm. you know when i fell out of love with it for the last two or three years it it it, it the, the the weight of it, the weight of having this thing, uh, I don't, um, you know, it's one of the, uh, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm not the sort of person who feels um, particularly confident in many areas. I, I'm, I'm full of self-critique, but when it comes to the certain ele elements of the piano, I think, well, actually, I'm pretty good at that. You know, I, mm. the, it's, it's almost not my doing. It's just something that is. Um, you but sound the, like the, a true the, musician having that self-critique <laughs> constantly. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's just it's a, it's an endless it's an endless. Uh, I mean, the self critique thing. I mean, yeah, we can talk about that. But um, so it's always been a weight, the, the weight of it, the weight of being good at it, and then also that 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 question of um, what am I without it? You know, mm. what, any musician, what what am I without that instrument, or what am I without music? I mean, this this um, whole pandemic situation has has shone that light on us because none of us have been out a gig either, and it it, it asks you the question you know if you take that away what are you and it's not very nice you know it's not a very nice okay. thing you are essentially an unemployed person that comes with a lot of psychosis and then the thought the peril that maybe you won't be able to do what makes you feel valid is frightening so i kind of did it before the mm. lockdown and now it's happening again um so i'm chomping at the bit um chomping yeah. at the bit to get back you know, on to, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. It, it, I, yeah, it's going to be so good once all this is, is kind of blown over and, you know, musicians can get back. I, mean, I know that in Australia, it's already happening. And a lot of musicians are getting back into it. And um, just because we've been really fortunate over here, but um, you know, on, on the note of, of that, that album. So, so it's called, um, oh, oh crap. What's your, what's your new album called? Uh Hall of Mirrors. Hall of Mirrors. I had it written down here, and I was, but the particular <laughs> song, Hall of Mirrors, the particular song that obviously you, you've released one song, at least in Australia, um, wow. She Lives in Golden Sands. And, oh, yes. man, when I came across that song, uh, it, it just hit me. You know, like some, some music, because I, I, I just like to explore and see 
at different playlists on Apple Music and, and, and you know, what stands out to me. Um, and occasionally there will come a song that is just so good that I will listen to it on repeat, uh, you know, throughout my creative process or for inspiration for, for weeks. And I still haven't stopped, you know, that piece is just, it's, it's killing me. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm so excited to, to hear the rest of the album, but um, there are a couple of things that you mentioned earlier on, which I really want to dive into. Uh, firstly, I really want to delve into this idea of, pushing the boundaries uh, within your creativity and within your performance. So almost so that you have to kind of reach a new level yourself. Cause I've certainly found that in my, my own creative process, one of the best things that I can do is imagine what it is that I want to hear through the piano or the, the song that is in my head that I really want to get out. And likely it's going to be for me, because I'm only just really rediscovering my love of piano uh, for me, it's definitely going to be far too difficult for me to handle. But that's for me, it, it seems like lately it's been the best thing ever because you sit down and after six or seven hours, you can play something that you couldn't play, you know, six or seven hours ago. And and that's because you you create something within your head that is far too difficult for you to conceive at the moment. But as you play around, suddenly you rediscover these pathways to getting to that sound is that similar to the way that you've kind of approached it with with your own creativity and pushing it to the next level well what you refer to there i, I certainly recognize that tra- that uh, tra- that um, transition um just I, i'm on the i'm i'm terrible at pra- sitting down and practicing i do it so rarely mm. but actually practicing before you compose um, is the best thing. After about an hour, something, you, certain things just click into place. And I find, I find that, um, for instance, if I sit down and I'll, because, you know, you, you, as a pianist, you're looking for good technical springboards. So I'll, I've got them all I've just behind my screen here. I've got, you know, a, a big bookcase of Bach and Mozart and Hannon and Dokunani exercises and these things. But the, um, the best things to start with are sort of of bark and just some bark thing that kind of just ticks a lot of boxes and and gets you sort of running around the block as it were um and then i find having done that and sort of labored through it and 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 maybe you know uh, perfected a few passages all of a sudden this improvisation thing kicks in and i think and i think oh hang on bit like sort of Michael Nyman used to do with old Purcell stuff when he'd do a Peter Greenaway film. You find a little passage, you go, oh, that's quite a good little springboard, that, and that makes me think of something else. And what happens? And then you, then you suddenly find you're playing like this sort of contemporary Bach spin-off. And um, um, so, you know, the, and, and you're talk, you talk about pathways. Um, I mean, pathways in the brain are... It's interesting. My, my my daughter's learning the drums. There's a drum kit just over there. My daughter's learning the drums, and it's amazing how quick the young brain creates these pathways. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've um, I don't know if you've seen the work of um, Ian McGilchrist. Uh, Ian no, McGilchrist. I, I have to write that down. Ian McGilchrist wrote a book called The Master and His Emissary. Um, he, the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a right old tome. It's about that thick, you know. Um, mm. But. Um, he talks about the two sides of the brain. He's, he's done a sort of 20 year long study into it. He lives up in the Isle of Skye, I think, right in the north of Scotland. And um, he um, he's studied this two halves of the brain thing, which is, 
in his own words, has become a bit of a hackneyed conversation. Oh, my left brain is telling my right brain to do this. He said, but you know, actually, there's some there's some good science in there, and and he thought he'd try and find it, and he's come mm. to the conclusion that, that that there are two very uh, different sides of the brain, and they have different roles. I mean, it's complex. It's going to be way more complex than I could even begin to explain. But in in very simple terms, um. He, he cites this scenario where you're, for instance, in a hotel room on the other side of the planet and it's the middle of the night and you hear a noise in the bathroom and you wake up and you walk towards the the noise, you walk towards the bathroom. And as you're walking towards the bathroom, your creative brain, your, uh, let me get this right, your right, because I'm left-handed and that's creative. So right right-hand brain, your right-hand brain gives you all the, it serves up all the possibilities that it could be. So it could be, a dragon or a ghost or a, or a, or a robber and all these yeah. scenarios go on. And then by the time you eventually put the light on and go towards it and you, and you see that it's just something that's fallen off the shelf, your left-hand brain, which is the, the part of the brain which gives you such security and, and stores all these processes that your right-hand brain has served up, you realize that it's something very simple. It's not frightening, and this is a, this is a sort of this is what your brain continually does. It, it, it's introduced to these new things, which the creative side of your brain experiences, jumbles up, throws out all sorts of theories. It's really exciting, the right hand side of the brain, and then your left hand brain goes, calm down. It's not what you think. We've seen this before, and then it makes you understand the patterns and makes you able to deal with it. If it was pure right-hand brain the whole time, you wouldn't get anything done. You'd just be constantly wandering around like someone had just been trepanned, you know, like seeing a, <laughs> a hole drilled in their brain, just to sort of this permanent, like, new perception. Um, but it's really interesting, the pathways. I only mention this because you talk about the pathways, which is a great hmm. word. And, and I often think about the pathways that have been etched into my brain at a very young age through practice and what is that what is that link between physical practice and what the brain remembers and what it enables the brain to do and i think there's this it's no um, coincidence that i think musicians tend to stay young in mind and young of mind i'm completely yeah. convinced that it that it it wards off dementia and things like this i have no proof only mm. a sense that it wards off these sort of de de um, debilitating brain things perhaps more in musicians that we're more capable of doing that because there's such complex pathways and and uh, um uh yeah these 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 connections that we make um i'm fascinated by them and i'm fascinated mm. by the way that makes us think i'm also fascinated by the way it makes us totally i'm being very general here but it tends to make us extremely neurotic quite mm. edgy and uh quite insecure and um and and generally generally speaking kind people thoughtful people sensitive people generally speaking um yeah and they, 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 there seems to be a, a a list of attributes that come from this sort of this process that we go through it's a it's a it's a screw up but it also it has its assets um and that's a very long-winded and quite a distant removal from your question <laughs> no 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 i love it and no, seriously, this this is such an interesting conversation. I think that particularly for for people who who are listening on my podcast, because it's you know we're delving into things that have a little bit to do with music, but also you know broadly you can take these kind of these kind of thoughts elsewhere. And you know one of the, one of the most important things that 
I learned from one of my classes this uh, last year at university was just the fact that when you play music, what's happening is you're actually utilizing all of these different all these different parts in your brain are lighting up and, and it's, and it's creating those pathways between all these different parts. And, and that's actually one of the theories behind why, uh, you know, music could be so therapeutic for people with Alzheimer's, for example, because all of a sudden when they're listening to music, all these connections between the parts of their brain start lighting up again. And so all of a sudden they can remember some certain things and certain details. And that's just, that's just one of the, most uh, uh, beautiful facts that you could ever learn about music and what it should do for us. It's like, this is so important. And, and I mean, I, I just encourage everybody who, who I talk to, whoever played an instrument or is thinking about playing an instrument or, or picking one up. It's like, no matter what you do, learning an instrument is going to be beneficial for your mind, your, your mental health and, and for your, uh, for, for your, career whatever it is you know like like it's 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 math you know it's creativity it's uh it's it's everything it it, it brings it all together yeah you're absolutely right but it's such a primeval language as well and and it's it's the most it's in 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 some senses the most simplistic language i mean mm-hmm. in in western harmonic terms it's 12 notes you know um and yet we seem to make this it seems to produce such results um with, with such a small vocabulary, it's, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's a very strange thing. It's also, it, it works, like you say, maths, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it is very mathematical. And yet I wouldn't cite myself as a great mathematician. If you show me, my, my, my son's doing algebra, you know, and, oh, Christ, mm. algebra again. You know, oh, yeah, 20. me either. <laughs> you know, oh, Christ, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, A equals A. And, and yet I do feel in tune with the maths of music. Now I don't know. I don't know why that. How that differentiates from your standard uh, comprehensive school, senior school level maths. But it, 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 there is a maths in there. Also, language. I'm. I've tried language. I can't. You know, as in French and, and other languages. Tried some Japanese once. I can't. It doesn't seem to lodge, and it's almost like uh, I. I. I I'm reticent to say I'm lazy. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pretend I'm not lazy, but I I think that I think there is something in me going. Well, I've got music. I mean, why do I need other languages? Because this says so much more than words ever can, um, mm. and uh, it, it does. And and that's one of the reasons I play instrumental music um, is because. I don't want anything to come in the way between me and someone who doesn't speak my language or I don't speak theirs. I just want, I'm looking for something, um, yeah, subconscious and primeval and some, something that's, it's, it's, a, it's an odd thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I've seen people talk about it in, in, in terms of, you know, low notes in very simplistic Neolithic terms, low notes represent danger you know and big animals and big mm. spaces and big caves and then high notes denote well i don't know what high notes would denote but you know like that th- th- that's the language that we're tuning into I- i'm i'm not sure because i get great comfort from low notes low notes make me cradle me I, I, like when mm. when there's a low note vibrating i feel oh i'm just like, oh i'm 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 in someone's arms um and and there you know they there there's that's that's an interesting what I just said there, you know, in the sense is uh, that's true. M- m- the, the sound of uh, a particular passage or a harmonic or a, or a tone can cradle me. 
So that mm. there, there, there's something way beyond words. I mean, you know, words can quite often. I, I, we 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 laugh in this house about about how words have evolved and words tend to have this. You can, you can almost hear their lineage, like when you say ball. You know, you can understand why someone would call it ball because mm. ball kind of sounds like it looks, doesn't it? Oh, it's a ball. Yeah, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> but you, know, you get those kind of those vowels, those consonants, those noises. And it's mm. like music, it's like 15 steps even further. It's just, it's so, and it's remarkable that most people can communicate with it and they have no idea how it works. You don't need mm. to know how it works. It's such a ridiculous thing. It's such a, uh, and and, and I, I tell you, in, in a funny way, I don't even know, I still can't identify whether I want to be a musician for a living. I mean, I've been doing it. <laughs> I've been doing it for 30 years, you know, um, and I still don't know if it's what I want to do when I grow up. I just think that it's just, it, it picked me up when I was 15 and just went, you're coming with me. And it's given me such amazing gifts of meeting people. It's so not even about the music. I mean, I've been to, you know, the depths of the, the, the most fascinating parts of Africa and f Far East Asia. I've been to Australia and New Zealand. I've been to South America. I've been to America. I've, I've been everywhere because of this music thing. And it's almost, I still feel like I'm still on holiday. You know, I've just left school mm. and I'm still not quite, I don't have to buckle down and I never will. I mean, I'm never ever going to do anything else. I don't care what happens. Um, but it, it's just, it, it, it definitely picked me up and took me. I, I've got so little choice in it. Music is just the, it's the boss. I've got, I don't know. Mm. I'm just a pawn, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was about to say, I mean, it, it sounds like the way that you're describing it, it's almost like you've got this judgmental God sitting above you. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, create something, create something. If you're not creating something, I'm going to judge you constantly or, you know, um, but I, I really, I really like this idea of, um, and I've been thinking about it so much lately, this idea of music saying things that you can't possibly say with, with words, because, you know, as somewhat like the, this podcast is all about philosophy, the practical stoic anyway. And so I'm, I'm reading a lot and I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing as well. And, and, you know, last year I had this creative process where I wrote, wrote this, book but then somehow found myself uh, recording this um this piano music alongside it and the, the 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 i came to a similar kind of idea which was that oh okay the the music is supposed to be an accompaniment to the to the book because it's supposed to tell the story that couldn't possibly said be said with the words right and yeah. and so uh there's there's this idea that i've been kind of mulling over which is I'd really like to get your opinion on this. So when I, when I look at the philosophers of the past, it seems like the job of the philosopher is to look around and also look deeply within and just tell the exact truth about what he or she sees, you know, here's what I see out here. Here's what I see in here and take that and do what you will with it, you know, and, um, and it doesn't have to be fun. It doesn't have to be comfortable, but here it is. And I feel like the musician or the artist in general is playing almost a very similar or the same role in society, which is looking outside, looking at what's going on inside and then trying to as honestly as possible release that from their subconscious or, you know, if they're a creative person particularly uh, and put it together in some sort of music that perfectly represents what it is that's going on inside their soul, you might say. 
and and I wanted to ask you, like, w- w- how do you see the role of a musician? L- like, let's look at, <laughs> you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, the role of a musician in a society. Like, what is what is that? What are they supposed to be doing here? <laughs> what what are we doing here, creating music? What what is this whole deal? Well, uh, yeah, I've I've given that much much thought again due to the situation that we're in um it's 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 bothered me uh it it, it it obviously we're having existential questions about music and the role of music anyway i mean you know in, in my darkest moments i've i've been convinced that you know this this whole this whole move towards shutting down has been a way of cramping my cramping music and silencing it like it's some dangerous, like this is very useful, you know, like I say, these are my darkest moments. Mm. And, and and then on reflection and, and then, you know, to turn it on its head, I've been thinking, well, what, what, yeah, what's, what's my purpose? I mean, it's a very good time to ask this question because as a musician, you think, well, what's my purpose? I mean, wow. You know, we're living in a world where we, we, we all right, you can listen to me on, you can listen to any musician on Spotify or, 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 or you know, any streaming service, but is that, is that any use is that really all we're worth is just you know is that is that is that our role and i i i wrote to my mp you know i wrote to my mp and said like look this is in the middle of the summer i said look Matt, look we you need us you know mm. you you got to make some inroads here in order because people need us and i i'm seeing what musicians do as more and more of of a counseling service and mm. i and i mean that in the most cryptic surreal way it's not there are like i say with my music anyway there are there are no words here i mean you could get more obvious with it you could think about you know a good solid pop tune which the vast majority of people listen to they empathize with something within it they reflect on themselves and they feel okay that's that's um i relate to that story i don't feel alone but i feel that's a very not to not to um dismiss uh, lyric-led music, but I, I think that's the, the that's not the purest form. I'm, I'm more interested in, in in what music does when it doesn't have those obvious elements, like literally just playing noise, playing music, playing notes. What what is that? What is that doing? And, and what 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 does it serve up? Um, mm. And um, sorry, I can hear. Is that you? Whistling? Is that whistling your end? Oh, I'm so sorry. That's that's a beautiful bird outside. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. I was thinking, wow, we've got a new species in the dark yeah, here. Yeah. I really, um, um, here you go, he's playing music for us. How beautiful. Yeah, um, seriously, yeah. Yeah, he is. Well, there you go. Um, but, I, yeah, so I, I think I think we're sort of, uh, in. you know, it's, if this isn't too simplistic, I, th- I think we're, we're a counselling service. I think, I think that we are the very, music is extremely necessary in dark times, and there have been none darker recently than this. Um, and it's no coincidence that people are running towards that moment when they can have music back. Not just music, of course, all sorts of things that they've been ri- they've been stripped of. But obviously, I'm just concerned with what music has and, and mm. what music does. Um, sometimes I think to myself, well, it's just a selfish. It's so selfish this for me because I get so much joy from it. What? And I go, well, by you know get past the fact that you get so much joy from it you get to see so many places and meet so many people what what is it like you say what is it that we're providing and i can't think of anything really more profound particularly than just this sense that that we're we're there to 
to well you know i've called my album hall of mirrors maybe that's what it is maybe we're just holding up mirrors maybe we're just we're just mm. uh, certainly I, I i've done that during the making of this album it's it's a it's a it's a process of using music to look at oneself we're a bounce back service counseling we're a reflective yeah. i mean i don't know what conclusions have you come to i mean do, do you well you have any- i mean i i really like the trend that we're seeing today which is moving towards say music as a therapy i mean music therapy is is becoming quite a quite a big thing um and you know something that you said there uh, you you were talking about uh, what does it mean just to sit down and play notes? You know, not if you're even not not if you're a musician, even just it, what does it mean to to bang things? You know, and um and that makes me think of uh, something. I I'm going to butcher this, but I think Nietzsche said something like this. He 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 believed that um, he was like one of the last followers of Dionysus, right? The, the, and and so uh, these Dionysian festivals where they would just go around playing this music and everyone's hitting something and, and clanging things and, and it's very therapeutic. And I, I believe that he thought that the, uh, uh, the, what is it? The, forming music into something that is notes on a page and, and an arrangement and everything like that. He, I, I think that he believed that that was almost a, a divorcement from its almost its original purpose, right. Which was to get people together and to, you know, just go crazy for a while and get insane and, you know, allow yourself to hear and play whatever it is that you want to play, you know? And I think that the more we can, allow for that kind of experience for people i mean look people get that at a rave you know people get that at a at a crazy you know techno concert or even uh, you know I, I found myself uh in tears when i was just watching on youtube like the proms in in britain you know like the, and everybody's singing along and you think yep. uh it's those moments that we're trying to create when uh, when all of a sudden nothing else matters other than you just being there, hearing, playing, experiencing what it is that's going on. Well, that, that's that's true, and 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 I it, it is it's a crude word, but it's very tribal. It's a yeah. very tribal thing, and, and maybe maybe you know we're we're just we're pretty basic mammals, really, you know, um, primates, and maybe there is just this huge comfort in feeling that we are connected to the tribe, and maybe the music is is just that just that vehicle for making it patently obvious. I mean, I, I've often said to people, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I understand that the, the thing that people are looking for, I just happen to find it. I, I find that these heightened states when I'm playing music with other people, I get into that place and I, and I, and, it, and, it, and I'm elevated and I go, well, that that's the spirit right there. You know, that's, that's the thing that we're looking for. That's, that's that sense of there is a greater power. Now, maybe that greater power is very earth-based. Maybe it's just that sense of, you know, which is what you know. You live if you live in a city. You know, you don't know who your neighbour is, and and um, you need music to bring these people together and make you feel a part of something. It's it's lovely what you said there about watching the proms and being at a rave or being at a techno a techno party or anything. I think the most the purest version of that I ever saw was I I was I was invited to play part of an international music festival in Khartoum in Sudan, mm. uh, in, in Central Africa, um, or well, Northern Africa really. Um, and, um, it was an international music festival and we were the only international act on it. And, 
it was it was with my trio so i needed a piano and a double bass and drums and um they flew us in uh, we flew across the desert and we were welcomed in by the british council this, this wonderful uh, sudanese guy who looked after us and we stayed in a hotel that had been g- gifted to um the government by colonel Gaddafi. it was pure like it was just great <laughs> all of it was just fantastic legendary stuff and then we played at this we played in this arena and they found the only piano in Khartoum. The, it was an upright woodworm-eaten thing. It was just holding together, and it was out of tune. And the bass player was given a bass where the strings had been so worn that he was cutting his fingers as he was playing. And the drummer had been given pretty much pots and pans. And there was a guy on the side of the stage with, with a huge, great cable in his hand. It was two sides of the cable. And we realised that he was holding together the power for the entire venue. And he stood there the whole night, and then... And then at the, at the end of the night, it was about 48 degrees. At the end of the night, his arms just wore out and he just dropped it. And it's a great video of us getting to the end and going, good night. And as we say, the, the light, the whole arena just went, and the lights went down. And this guy just basically dropped the cables. So it was fantastic. The whole thing was just, you know, just what you want. I mean, I, the best gigs in the world are that kind of thing where it's just held together yeah. and you're in the middle of nowhere. And you've, to be honest, you feel a bit scared. You're just thinking anything could happen. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they drove home the long way, and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, where, 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 are they taking us somewhere? You get those kind of moments a lot. But then, <laughs> all of a sudden, on the Friday, on the Friday afternoon, they said, oh, um, "Come to the centre of Khartoum. We're going to take you, show you something." And we turned up. Um, we turned up at this cemetery uh, in the middle of Khartoum, um, and it was, <laughs> I mean, it was. It was a cemetery where, seriously, I mean, you know, the amount of care and attention that had been paid to the deceased, you know, was like, I mean, they were almost hands like hanging out of the blooming graves. It was like really quite crude. But right in the middle of it, there's a, a Sufi Islamic idol is buried. So uh, one of the great prophets. Um, and on a Friday, whoever these people were, they were they convene and it was one of the most moving things I'd ever experienced. I just, as soon as I, there was this swirl, everyone wore this, this green. I don't know why, but they all this, wore this wonderful green. And there was this swirl of people going round, round and round. And they were just singing these eight or nine lines that they were singing. And it was, mm. I couldn't, I've got it on video somewhere, but I couldn't tell you the melody, but they, it was, they all knew it and they all went round and round. And in the middle of them, there were whirling dervishes. So there were these kids there was these, yeah, these young so cool. twirling round, you know, and, and there was a huge like like uh, industrial sized incense going around. So you just were in this the smoke and it was a, and there were and then all of a sudden this kid went past. Uh, and, and he and he looked, he had a wild look in his eye and he looked me straight in the eye like that. He looked me straight in the eye and then he he, opened, he, opened, he flashed open his mouth like this, like that. And as he did it, it was like about three seconds. And I realized he was spinning a razor blade in his tongue. He he, he had this amazing thing. He just went there like that, and this thing went blah, 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 like that, and then went back in his mouth. And he looked at me defiantly, as if to say, "I can do that." You know, I've got the spirit so so big, so hard. I can do that. And I went, "Whoa!" You know, bloody hell! And there were and there were guys, you know, spinning out. And it, and and the more intoxicating it got, and the and the and the more swirly the people got, the more crazy things started happening. You know, just people just coming out of nowhere and flying at you. And then you and we all made our way into this this tomb where this tomb was, and had people just diving in and out, and people bombing it. And you thought, oh, this is really dangerous. But it was it was the most beautiful spirit led 
thing. I had no connection particularly um, with any of the uh, of the tenets of this of this Sufi Islamic movement, but it so didn't matter. It didn't matter one jot. I felt exactly the same thing that they did, I think. And it's also a beautiful lesson, you know, um, in you know, we've been through such turbulent times, cross religion, you know, one religion against the next, uh, and you know, one side of the world against the next. And then when you suddenly realise that someone on the inverted commas other side is connected to the same spirit as you are, you go, oh man, what a waste of energy to 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 be to be to have hate or suspicion. This it's it's, it's like well. It's there. We've all got the same thing. It's just a different brand. It's the same mm. thing. And you go, well, the world is one and we are one and we are all humans and we are all just on the same page. And we're all looking for the same things. It's just wrapped up differently. And it, 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 that was music. You know, that was what the, it was all about the music. That whole day was just I was just intoxicated by this endless riff going round. Um, and it was made possible. By that music, made, definitely made possible by that music, yeah. and that's what music does. Yeah, me. and I mean, yeah. just just this this idea of everybody being in sync, and and you know, people are doing different things, but the whole purpose is they're there together in that experience, right? That's that sounds amazing, and and I think that something that I really take away from what you're saying here is is a lot of music. Sorry, a lot of musicians can be really attached to that like i know people who won't play a piano unless it's perfectly in tune grand piano <laughs> you know i know musicians like that and i know people who like you know trumpeters especially we are neurotic beyond belief we will t go we will travel around the world six times to find the newest mouthpiece that sounds a little bit better you know it's crazy but uh, some of the the greatest experiences i've had with with music similar to yours have been nothing to do with the, the exact type of instrument or nothing to do with anything other than uh, somebody really getting into that spirit that you talk about. You know, I, one story I may have told on the podcast before, but I, I just love this as I was in um, South Australia for this music festival that James Morrison puts on over here is this wonderful multi multi-instrumentalist over here. And, uh, and and he puts on this great festival and he brought Marion Petriscu over, who is uh, this incredible pianist. I've never seen anyone play faster. Um, <laughs> very egotistical, but he's hilarious, right? Like he's so, so funny. And he's so, such a beautiful musician. I meant egotistical in the way that he plays fast. He's not egotistical. But anyway, um, so we're all in this kind of after party for the gig and there's this crappy old piano upright piano and every note is out of tune there's like six notes that are just completely gone uh nothing looks right and we all kind of go over there and marion just sits down and he starts playing this classical piece of music right and we're all just gathered around this if you were snobby you'd be like sounds terrible but all of us were just uh in a trance listening to him play this crappy piano so beautifully and and i think that 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 scene similar to what you were talking about it, it really taught me what's truly important about music and what actually makes the difference because you know i i'm not convinced that that moment would have been made better by him playing on a grand piano perfectly in tune i'm not convinced at all in fact i think that it enhanced the moment mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, so. I, I, I entirely agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, but that, then, then you've sort of gone from one level of musicianship to the next, where you, you are essentially um, coming to a, a union with whatever is in front of you. And mm. if, 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 I mean, it's hard. I mean, my mother-in-law's piano is an absolute shite heap, you know. But and, and and I go around there, and I'm, it's a challenge to play it. But I do sit there, and I think, well find the beauty therein you know there, there there is something in there um quite often i end up playing comedy tunes because that's the only thing that sounds good on it but <laughs> you know, if, if it wasn't if it was a more poignant moment it would be my delight um to 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 challenge myself to to make that sound beautiful and almost throw it yes all right use you know bring along your technique that you've been given but but throw it out throw it out as quickly and as as much as possible i mean i i think my my concern about my classical training was I, I spent years trying to unpick it. Uh, I mm. felt that it was, uh, it took me years to realize how all, all the good bits about it, but I spent a lot, of, a lot of years thinking this is a burden. This is stopping me feel. And I needed to get beyond that. I needed to feel directly. Um, and I, oh, I think I got there, but, uh, and I, and I retained all those wonderful things that it gave me. I think but that is one of the dangers of, of, of classical music is that it can, obscure the path sometimes it, it, it's um it's an interesting thing I, i'll never come to a conclusion about it really but I, I it's it's interesting how music music evolves you can see it happening we mentioned jazz earlier you can see it happening with jazz it's touched upon in in the book by david byrne where uh, i think what's that music it's called, it's a big white book like where where music is at it's, it's not that that isn't the title but it's something like that and it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an insight into where music, where music is and what it means right now. And uh, um, one interesting part of it is talking about music's connection with venues and um, how music is made with the venue in mind that, that it is projected to be in. So, mm. um, and, and I think that the, the, that's one of the interesting elements about jazz. There's not that many, but there, there, there is one interesting element about jazz in that it's 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 passage from kind of um, beer house sort of uh, entertainment music with everyone shouting and screaming over it. I'm talking like a hundred years ago, mm. through you know um, then into jazz clubs, and now the important, the interesting thing now is it's become this concert hall sort of reverential experience. So jazz, you know, very much that Scando jazz movement was uh, was very much about listening to every single note in a beautiful acoustics mm. on instruments. And it's, it's interesting how things become a classical form. I mean, a, a really hammed up, ridiculous uh, version of that is the tribute band. I, 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 list, I think about that with tongue in cheek. And I think actually the tribute band, you know, the Genesis tribute band or the Led Zeppelin tribute band is actually one step removed from the classical concert i mean what what is it if 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 mozart is a name that that, that has lived on for centuries and, and now we listen to his music reverentially well, then why why the hell not will it why the hell will it not be led zeppelin why the hell will it not be Jimi hendrix and why i mean it's very interesting to me that you've got tribute bands now who are replicating the light shows from from those original shows, trying to replicate it down to the nth degree, these concerts that happened in 1964, and mm. and it, you know it starts out as a sort of a 
something of a joke, but then you think, hang on, this is getting quite serious. We're actually sort of playing this without improvisation and with very tight constraints and we, we're imposing these constraints on, we must try and you know, uh, protect the art of what that was. Um, and although it seems rather, you know, to, to the um, high-end culture, it seems rather trashy to do such a thing. It, it, given time, it suddenly becomes a classical movement, you know, like a, yeah. a uh, you know, a Led Zeppelin tune can become a moment of class, classical nature in time, and, and we may become more and more reverential towards it. Mm. Um, that's a really that's a really interesting thought. I, I never thought about it like that. This idea that two hundred years from now we could be, you know, going to the sit down in the or, or you know going back to try and have those exact experiences that people had with Led, Ze- Led Zeppelin. And uh, well, I mean, yeah. you know, you got all the things like the orchestra of the uh, the orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment in London, which is an orchestra that plays on, as far as I'm aware, they play on original instruments. You know, the old cat gut mm. and everything else. Yeah trying to recreate that Baroque thing for you. And it's fascinating. You want to go and immerse yourself and just try and picture how it was to be there. And, and, and it's rapidly becoming that, I think, you know, well, it will be in a hundred years time. It'll be, it'll be, well, let's get those original Jimi Hendrix strings. And the, it's quite possible, quite possible. Who knows? Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, like, uh, you know, I even, I even think about um, something that Miles Davis said in, in this sort of circumstance, I, 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 I tend to agree with him on one, well, on many things. He, he was brilliant, obviously. How can you not agree with him? He was, he was, uh, you know, prolific. But, uh, you know, one of the things that he said was, "Hey, stop, stop calling what I'm doing jazz, because as soon as you label it, you know, now you're going to turn it into something that is something other than something that could be what it is next, right?" And 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 I really I, I really think he was really wise in that sense that he he really wanted. I mean, you know, he he was the person who was constantly letting whatever was inside him out, and that was the most important thing. Just keep on creating, keep on creating. Don't talk about what I did ten years ago. You know, talk about what I'm doing right now and what I'm going to do next. I think my, one of my favorite lines was him from him was in that. Uh, that really spacey uh, Honda scooter advertisement that he did. He said, uh, uh, I'll play it now and I'll tell you what it is later or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I really like that. But I, I really enjoyed the the perspective that you have there as well. Just, you know, classicalizing this, this music that we love, but well, that Miles actually Davis, brings. Sorry. sorry oh, no, yeah, just to interject, look, yeah, Miles Davis's courage in all things like that. It's just, it's just so sort of heroic, you know, like when he's yeah. the, the count where he goes, I'll count you in one and that's the counting you know things like that it's just magic and doing permanently disassembling what he did i mean it touches on what we were saying earlier you know taking what he had before taking what he'd done before and just disassembling it having the courage to mm. do that it's quite bowie-esque actually you know david bowie was great at that in mm. a in a pop sense just disassembling what was before and re and, and having a rebirth and i think that really is that's the the ultimate in what an artist is supposed to be but i interjected yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, um, you know, what have you got to say now? And then, you know, I think, I think it was Heraclitus. He said uh, something like we, you never step into the same river twice, right? This idea that we're constantly moving through this flow of life coming at us. Right. And, you know, the musician is, is, I don't know, supposed to paint a picture of the, the river at a certain stage, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next. Um, 
But uh, I wanted to ask you just on the topic of like listening to these concerts and, and the, the way that you talked about trying to hear the particular notes and everything. How do you listen to music? What's, do, do you have any sort of tips for the average person out there who might just enjoy music, but maybe hasn't been able to develop that kind of, uh, you, you might say that spiritual connection with it. What's your process listening to music? Ooh. Um, well, it's an interesting one. I think if you're a musician and if you're a composer, it's like you, you, you actually you, you you remain quite distant from it often because you don't want to be coloured by it, or you 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 know I can't. If I'm honest, I I I, uh, I every night I go to bed, I listen to in my head. I put headphones on and I listen to the most ridiculously um, um, uh, soporific ambience stuff it's almost like i i need to pellet uh, palette cleanse every night i kind of listen to this stuff and i just it just switches me off because music is as it i i'm i'm i'm, I'm the same with film i'm really frightened <laughs> to engage with 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 something because it will affect me so much i'm worried how it's going to affect me so if i, I I'm, I'm it's particularly bad with film when i when i when i watch a film if I think, oh, this is going to be an emotional ride, I'll put it off. I'm like, oh, you know, because I will come out the other side in the role of, you know, I'll feel it so succinctly or so deeply that I won't be able to sh- shake it and it will it will kill my mood or it will make me emotional or it will make me cross. Or So I'm kind of, fri- I'm a bit frightened of listening to music and how it's going to affect me. Um, but I, I suppose I give music the respect which I hope... Or, or I try and instill in the people who listen to my stuff. It's not. It's not. A, it's not. Um, it's not a demand. It's not a. It's not an edict. But I, I think just by nature, the the, the music that I, I I try and make, I I think that it would be best if people stopped what they were doing and listened to it and immersed themselves in it so deeply that they that they did do that whole journey with it. It's like um, I had a French teacher once, and she said, "Oh, I, I can't listen to your stuff while I'm ironing." And I went, oh, okay, you know. And she said, no, because I just want something to sing along to. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I said, I, my music isn't for you, you know. It's like, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I think I'm for, a, for an exclusive breed who just want to completely immerse themselves in it. So I think to answer your question, I, I, I can't help. I, 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 I have total immersion, like I'm like I'm in some sort of flotation tank when it comes to music. I, I want, I'm looking for the perfect environment. I'm looking for the complete lack of distraction. I'm, I, I'm the radio annoys me. I, I can't have the radio on sort of just sort of feeding me general stuff that someone else has decided that irritates me. Like mm. I want to control the, it's a very controlling, but this is the, this is a reflection on me, not anyone else, but I want it in a very controlled environment. And I want to feel every note. I want to. I want to experience every note. I want to. And I and I want to be excited by it. And and I want it to conjure up memories. And I, it's like I think smell and sound have these wonderfully evocative elements to them. You can smell something, and you can be instantly sort of transported back. And music can do that to me too. I want it to transport me somewhere. Um, and I and and. You know, it's some of the most, some of the most, some of the most beautiful music that I, that I that I just that just has a place in my heart. There's a, there's a there's a John Barry piece actually called um, Fun City. It's from um, uh, Midnight Cowboy, the soundtrack. 
yeah. uh, with Dustin Hoffman and and um, uh, John Voight. Um, and it's this beautiful um, piece of, it just floats. And I cannot, I, I don't know if I was under the influence of something when I first heard it, but there's always, whenever I listen to it, there are these two hominid beings, a male and a female, and they meet on a cloud, and they're they're they're, they're sort of you know they're um, uh, what's the word uh, uh, you know they're they're ape like what's the word simian they're simian, so they're quite primitive us they're primitive beings like us, and they meet on the cloud and they they exude love, and they spin around and they're on this cloud and everyone the and the sun is so bright the, the the light in this image is so bright. And it's the most intoxicating, beautiful nirvana of two beings just without compromise, expressing love and being happy in their purest form with each other, for each other and around each other. And there is not a, an ounce of uh, darkness or sadness or evil or anything mm. else to corrupt it. And I think that that's the sort of, Perhaps that represents the plane that I'm looking to get to in all music that I listen to. I, I'm looking to get to that place where it just, it, it is so euphoric um, that it, 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 dis, it extinguishes all other, any other, any pollution whatsoever. Um, so hmm. yeah, I'm looking for that. I mean, that's, that's quite a, quite a full on agenda, but I'm, I guess I'm, <laughs> But that next the, the, something that gets close to that up that ladder, you know, mm. and and this might be a good segue into the next question, which is is that the same sort of thing that you're looking for when you've finally finished a piece of music that you've composed? Is yes. that is that where you're looking for? Yeah, yes, that's what I'm looking for. Um, and there there will be a moment when I will, like any composer, I think it'll be a moment when I'm convinced I've got it. And then there'll be lots of moments where I'm convinced I couldn't be further from it. Um, and yeah. then I won't be. And then there's got to be about, whoa, I reckon, I'm no word of a lie, I reckon about 10 years before I feel it again. And yeah. there's, <laughs> there's a chance, there's a chance in 10 years' time that I'll listen to it and go, oh, what, you know? I, that, that, was, that was something, you know? And yeah. there's also a chance I'll listen to it and go, Right, I can't believe I did that. You know, but that's you know, it's it's a it's a mean feast. You know, it's 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 um, it's very very stingy on what it gives you back. Composition, it's um, you get a, you get a buzz at the beginning, you get a lot of uh, self loathing. Then you might get a buzz if you play it to other people and they go, oh, that's great. Like particularly in the concert environment, um, but that's kind of for them and just them sort of making you feel good. Doesn't necessarily make you feel that your uh, that your composition is anything other than a trickery, but at least mm. they're being tricked, and at least at least they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're that little that that shielding you from it. And yeah. then there's that little that thing in about ten years' time, maybe even longer, where it it might just creep up on you and go, you know what, that was actually really good. That was really really good. Um, so it's 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 uh, it's really stingy. It's stingy in the love it gives you back, but um, mm. it's strangely. Uh, I like many others. Uh, I'm addicted. God knows yeah. why. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that that judgmental God analogy come back, or almost as if you feel like you've been used after <laughs> you created this piece. I I get that. Like you, you know, um, 
yeah, you, you create this piece of music and then all of a sudden a week later, you're like, oh, I've only listened to that three times after I composed it. And oh, okay, I don't want to listen to it again. What's next? And, um, and also it's amazing how, how dark it can get, you know, how, how, how you can really hate it. I mean, not just hate it, hate it and yourself because of it. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. can take you over. It's like, oh, yeah, I, who, you know, what, what, what value am I? Just listen to that drivel, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and there's no truth in that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or, or how badly a job you've done. There's, 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 there's no, what you're telling yourself is not the truth. It's distorted, mm. but there's no telling you, you know, you, you're convinced you go, no, this is it. I, I, I mean, I, I'm ashamed of myself. I think I'm going to go and, you know, top myself because this is appalling and it's distorted and it's really worrying that it's really intoxicating and you just have to get away from it somehow and move on. And then, and then the remarkable thing is you come back and you go, I can't, you know, I'm not saying you get to that it's great stage, but you go, oh, that's all right. You know, what was I, why was I so hung up on it? Why did I despise myself so much? It's, um, whew, I mean, it's, yeah, it's punishing. Composition, yeah. who'd do it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, even even not composing your own stuff. I mean, like I listen to, and and this could be because they are genuinely bad albums. But I listen to my albums that I did uh, of just jazz standards and stuff. You know, a few years ago, and I, yeah, I have that experience exactly where you're listening and you just think, I have to shut this off. It's <laughs> it's it's got to go. But then you know the the thing that always brings me back is just thinking of the number of people who have come up to me after a concert or, you know, come and said to me, Hey, listen, I love your music or, you know, I really appreciate what you did there or, you know, people get it. Um, and I think that we need to realize that we don't see, hear, smell, or think the same as anybody else. And likely they, they enjoy something about what you've done, you know, but. Do you, do you believe them when they say that? Well, I, 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 I do what is sometimes when, when it feels genuine, um, you know, I can always tell when it's, it, when it's kind of like, Hey, good on your jazz musician, you, you know, like, yeah. um, and, uh, I don't know, maybe that comes from my time spent busking on the street, you know, like <laughs> you, you get a sense for, um, you know, people's generosity and, um, but yeah, I think, no, I think you bring up a really good point, which is that, you can hear that, but ultimately, do you actually think that? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I've, it transfers over. I've got, I've got a theory about what is a good gig to, um, to the likes of us and what is a good gig to the audience, and, and, and I think they're two very different things. I, I, um, I've often gone back to my hotel room after a gig um, and felt like I've done uh, a 90% good gig mm. and and wanted to just just roll up in a ball and die. Hmm. Um, but I'm convinced that that 90% good gig is is 100% good for the audience because, firstly, they've got nothing to measure it against. Secondly, you know, as someone very simply put it, hey, man, you're out of the house. You're seeing someone else do something. You get to relax for an hour, you know. But I, it, but it, it, nothing is... Nothing is worse for me than what you, you you illustrated there when someone comes up and goes, yeah, yeah, nice one, you know, and you and you, and you know your standard is, I mean, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I I, I kind of the only way I'll believe it is if they come up and just sort of 
I suppose, you know, in a twisted way, I want them to sort of fall at my feet and go, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> oh, my God, you've just moved, you know, the, the world has changed for me thanks to that concert, you know. And sometimes, you know, you, you get people who are, like, generally, genuinely, like, lost, and they go, wow, you get quite close to it. But but that's your marker, you know. That's your marker, and, and that feels like something. But if someone comes up and goes, "Yeah, nice one, man," and then walks off, you go, "Oh my god!" You know what? What? <laughs> you know, I am the I am shit. You know, I'm I'm shocking. That, that you know, I just want to I just want to die because you don't mean that. You it's me. That's a that's a mediocre response. And 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 I've set the level. I've set the bar high. So why on earth would that feed me? It's just like. Now I know it's really bad if they're doing that, yeah. you know, because <laughs> that's the level I expect. You know, I've, I've had that sort of, I've had those those people go out and go, oh Jesus, and that's yeah. it. They, it's got to be that then, otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, yeah, you've had a taste for being a prophet of music, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I think even then, I think even the people who come up going, nice one, it's great. I think they've had a great time. I yeah. think it's only you know, it's only us that go. That that, that that can't bear to live anymore after something like that. But it, it's uh, it's probably an eighty five percent good gig, you know. And that's perfectly yeah. adequate, you know. And yeah. I think the the mark of a really good mark of any good musician is to keep it up in those top top couple of top ten percent, top twenty percent, you know. I think probably yeah. that the, the mark the 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 the, the uh, margin of error is quite small actually. You know, you cert- you know when you get to a certain level, you certainly didn't do anything that was drivel. But you've got these high expectations now, and um, mm. yeah, you won't do. I but mean, I like this a... idea of divorcing your own perspective from what you reckon the you know the audience will be feeling because you're so right. Like, yeah, a ninety percent effort. E- even if even if I make one uh, slightly major mistake in a concert or so, yeah, that's all that I'll think about. Right when I, when I finished it, but um, man, you, you made me think of. Uh, yeah, I really like that you have this kind of system of this is what a good gig is and you know it when you when you see it because, like, um, th- there's this running joke that I always do at every one of my jazz concerts and that's all I really do. When I do a concert, it's going to be jazz standards with my quartet and I love to do that because it's it's free and we have a great time. The audience has a great time. But I have this joke where I tell the audience, listen, if you were in a classical concert right now, you would you know, be silent throughout the whole piece. And then you would give an applause at the end, but a jazz club is different, right? I I say like, if you hear something that you really love, you can pretty much make any sound that you want. Uh, It could be a bird sound, an animal sound, some sort of grunt, some sort of like, yeah, you know, like, and then I just get the audience to make these stupid sounds. Right. Um, but that, that's really, for me, like I, I noticed that, that that is really the sign for me when I know that the gig is going really well, when I hear somebody from the back row, just go like yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of me say, playing something, you're like, yeah. that feeds you, you know, you know, that it's like this Dionysian sound coming out of them, this animalistic totally. response. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, an involuntary <laughs> thing. They just can't help themselves. I mean, who do? Who in their right mind would do that in public? You know, unless they, yeah. unless they were they were being swept away with something. Yeah. And I, oh, you uh, could you couldn't say you couldn't make those sounds on the street. If you did, uh, <laughs> you'd be taken away immediately. But a jazz club, it's absolutely fine. Please yeah, make yeah, all yeah. of the weird sounds you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, another you know another cathartic uh, reason for doing music is people could make animal sounds to their heart's content, and it's okay. You know. 
Yeah, it's a. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that's the that's the epitome of improvisation. That my my dear friend Rex Horan from Perth, Western Australia, the bass player mm. in the trio. Um, he used to say that about improvisation. To put very simply, it's like if we're having a conversation, all you have to do is say yes. You know, if I if I if I ask you any question and you say yes back, that that means the possibilities are endless. If you say no, then that's the end of the conversation, and that's kind of that's what improvisation or or or, or uh, you know um, exposition or or, or, or rather um, uh, what's the word? Not exposition. Uh, you know, like trading off any kind of music, feeding and and drawing from music is about it's about saying yes symbolically mm. uh, metaphorically saying yes to everything and if you say no and you go whoa no i mean that's that's the end of the conversation you know there is no more to be said it's about yeah. it's you're putting yourself in a music music puts you in, in an environment where you better say yes to everything i mean that that takes the control away for starters it's a it's a hell of a roller coaster ride. If you say yes to everything, it's like Johnny Dice. You know the the story of the guy who threw a dice and decided how to live his life by the throw of a dice. In music, you're essentially you're putting yourself in a position where you have to say yes. That's an incredibly liberating and a scary thing all at the same time. But you got no choice because if you say no, you might as well get off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think no. I think a perfect example of that is like when when you're playing a, a jazz standard or an improvisation, and somebody's doing a solo, and all of a sudden, two musicians in the band, you know, find themselves out of time with the other musician or something like that. There's always one musician who just decides, nope, I'm sticking where I. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not yeah, gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna try and fix the situation. You better come to me, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the sort of ego that just doesn't belong in that setting right like it, i really like what you're saying it's it's almost it's it's exactly like life like life is going to throw things at you and what are you going to do you're just going to say no to life no you've you, you got to go with it you know you've got to you got to you got to accept it and, and move on right well that's and that's what that's what is so incredibly life enhancing life enhancing about music is is it's just this endless these endless possibilities not just in music but you know there, there's just a permanent there's a there's a permanent um excitement of what may be it's it, you never know what's coming i mean surely that's but by definition being a musician is is it scares the life out of a lot of people but surely by definition that being a musician is not knowing what's coming next either you know financially for starters but mm. professionally at anything any day is, is like well this is a new day and anything can happen and it runs right down to the to the to the, the basic root of just playing music it's like any anything can happen in the next 5 minutes that's so exhilarating that you really feel like you're you're nose to nose with the essence of life uh, um, w when you do that, you know, the more you can do that, and when you're rid of it, when you're when you're denied it, it's it feels like life is so dull. It's 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 everything is just grayed out. You know, it's like and, and you need to. Life isn't for me. Isn't worth, once you've tasted it, it's not worth living unless unless you're 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 right close to the edge. You know, it doesn't mm. mean being dangerous, but it just means like, you know, possibilities and you know the way that you all the best parties are the ones that happen last minute all the best holidays are the ones that you don't plan and music has the capacity to be like that all the time and it's and i've seen it do it and i and um one of the most heartbreaking things of this summer because we've been you know unable to do so much for so long now was i tried to i was so desperate to to do have a gathering of people and um 
Uh, I, I've got a little just out the back here. I've got a, sort of there's this field that we all all the houses around here communally have access to, and we have little gatherings out there. Or we used to anyway. And uh, I, I decided in the middle of July when the rules were at their most relaxed, I just went, "Oh, come on, we'll throw something together." And I threw it together, and I set up a pair of decks, and I did some you know some pod DJing, and then I got my soul band round, and we played a set, and people came out, and we were dancing, and it was great. And I thought, well, yeah, I've, I've, I've made something happen in the old style, you know, in the, in the musical style. I've made something happen. This is a gathering. It's a coming together. It's a happening. And then someone in my village here felt empowered to shut us down. Um, they felt that they had the muscle to do that because of the situation. They could say things like, this is illegal. I will call the police. It wasn't. It wasn't. Mm. We were doing a nice thing. It was, it was, it was very safe. And it was going to be it was going to be finished by half past eight at night. It was so sociable. It was, ridiculous. but I just wanted that feeling, and everyone wanted to just let their head down. But there's this the downside of this current situation is there is a, there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of protocol that, that that people can quote and use to get in the way of that that feeling of life. And you know, to to to, to give it, it's just it's just um, uh, not desserts, but it, to 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 give it, it's. Um, it's true, it's true backing, it's true meaning. Of course, there are safety reasons, of course. You know, I have to bow to that as well. One has to bow to that. But, you know, the thing that hurts me, aside from any 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 implications of the virus itself, the thing that hurts me in the heart is is the fact that there, there are powers around to stop you doing those things and stop you communing and stop you feeling that happiness. And that's crippling. So I just cannot wait to be out of the other side so that I can feel that very exciting, very edgy, very um, spontaneous feeling again that you get from music and, and all its trimmings. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's such a beautiful place to, uh, you know, kind of wrap up this conversation because, I mean, it's it's exactly the kind of message that I've been thinking is so necessary to bring out into the world after all of this, which is, come back to gathering, come back to culture, come back to music, come back to art, come back to the things that transcend this uh, often seemingly, you know, meaningless existence. There's, there's so many things that get in our way, I guess, of seeing what is truly important. And, and you know, when you have those kinds of experiences, like, um, yeah, I mean, like I last year I just had a complete transformation in the way that I saw culture and music and, and I, I had done like most of my music degree. I can't believe that I never felt the way that I started to feel last year. And so your music was a huge part of that, you know, hall of mirrors coming out. I believe it's in March. I don't know if you, you know that, but yeah. I think you're right. March the 4th. I think, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But I'm going to be spruiking that out to my audience as well. Cause I just, I love the one song that I have heard. I know that the rest of the album is going to blow my mind um, and I can't oh, wait for it. And hopefully we get to have another conversation soon. Oh, I'd love to. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks for being patient with me. And um, it's light where you are and dark where I am. And that's, um, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a cross global conversation. It's been a, be- it's been a, it's been a lovely thing. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Neil. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. 
If you'd like to work one-on-one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.